Welcome to Season 2 of Fracktown Gumshoe, Holy Fits, based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill. Chapter 5 Oh baby, did I ever. Fiona? Fiona Linane, how the hell are you? I stepped out from behind my desk to hug her. I'm fine, Fitz, just fine. And it's Rafferty now. Her tone was cold enough to halt the melting polar ice cap. I stopped in my tracks and awkwardly lowered my arms. Who are you working for these days? The familiar smell of her perfume made my head spin, even through her frosty reception. If I didn't step away quickly, I'd be in big trouble. FBI, I'm with the Pittsburgh office. So I should call you Agent Rafferty now. Wow, I'm impressed. What the hell brings you to Fawcettville? Your assistant called my office about Benedict St. Giles, or whatever he's going by these days. I thought we could help each other. Mary Margaret called you? I indicated for a chair for Fiona to sit in and seated myself behind my desk. Fiona took a seat and crossed her legs demurely. There was something a little more reserved and poised about her now. Yes, she doesn't sound like it at first, but she's a sharp cookie fits. I shrugged. I'm glad somebody can see that. My wife hired her when the business took off. You're married? That's got to be the eighth sign of the apocalypse. Fiona laughed sharply. Her name is Gracie, and she's a professor at the college. You're kidding me. I figured you the perpetual bachelor type. She flashed a reserved smile, the kind you get from someone who's been through some serious shit. And Fiona and I had. I was surprised as you, but Gracie is one classy lady. So what about you? Sounds like you're married too. I didn't see a ring. I was. It sounded like she didn't want to say any more. Not right now at any rate. So why are you interested in Benedict St. Giles? I asked, feeling I should steer the conversation back to business. A priest was murdered in a church in Indianapolis about two years ago. We believe by the man who meets the description of Benedict St. Giles. We've tracked him back and forth across the country. He's conned a number of people in three, possibly four states as a priest, and believe it or not, a bigamist, but we never could quite catch up to him. The feds are involved because some of the criminal activity has involved identity theft and bank fraud. So what's his real name? He goes by a number of names. Let me guess, I interrupted. Clark, Kovach, St. Giles. Renner, Houseman, Winehouse, Fiona finished for me, ticking them off in her fingers. He started using a wide variety of names, but we believe Jeff Kovach is his real name. The only thing that's consistent is the description. Male, medium height, graying hair, green eyes. That's our boy. So what brought you into his orbit? Mary Margaret didn't tell you the details? Fiona shook her head. I just got a message that Fitzhugh Investigations was looking into an Abbott Benedict St. Giles for possible fraud, and could I call back? I hadn't been back here in a lot of years. We've been after this guy for a long time, long before the death of the priest. I didn't figure you'd be in the middle of this. There was something sad in her tone, something I couldn't put my finger on. We could do lunch. I wish. I need to find a hotel room and check in with my boss, let him know what's going on. How about I drop back by later this afternoon? Sounds good. See you later then, Fitz. Agent Rafferty stood, shook my hand, and smoothed her skirt around those sweet, sweet hips. I couldn't help but licking my lips as she turned around and walked away from the office. This is the woman who could get me into trouble, and fast. After all, she had in the past. To be fair, she'd got me out of a whole lot of trouble, too. Mary Margaret glared at me as I walked Fiona to the door. What? 
I asked as the door hissed closed. The phone rang, cutting off her chance to spread Catholic guilt fumes all over the room. And why? I hadn't done anything wrong. At least not yet. It's for you, she said tersely and handed the phone to me. It's the prosecutor. Alicia, I said. I thought you were coming over yesterday, Fitz, she purred. I got all wrapped up in a case, I said, coming back to earth and brushing Fiona's perfume from my mind. Doc Lombardo got anything on Father O'Malley's death? I heard you talk to Barnes. It's still unclassified, she said. The talk screen could take a couple of weeks. I need to talk to you about this damn fraud case. I had hopes you'd be here yesterday so we could get started. All right, all right, I'll be there in a few minutes. I handed the phone to Mary Margaret, who rolled her eyes at me. I blew her a kiss. She shuddered, and I headed for the door. It was three blocks from my office to the courthouse, giving me time to ponder Fiona Rafferty's appearance at my office. The one time I needed a partner, she'd been there. She'd been the one to fire when I needed her to, and she didn't miss. She was the first female FPD officer and the first rookie to get a commendation medal. She was the one whose name I couldn't, or wouldn't, say. Yeah, we had a thing. A big thing, for more than a year after that. She was as close as I ever came before Gracie to giving up the single life. You kind of want to do that for somebody who saves your life. Then we split up ugly. It was part of my charm back then. She moved to the Akron PD, then Cleveland, then I lost touch. Apparently the boys from Quantico liked what they saw enough to give her the badge. I had no doubt she was a kick-ass FBI agent, but there was something different about her this time. Something I couldn't put my finger on. Maybe Fiona would have dinner with me tonight, and I could find out. I reached the courthouse steps and began to climb towards the big oaken door, flanked by a pair of carved Greek gods that stared like they knew every dirty thing mankind ever did. Maybe Fiona and I could catch up on what she'd been doing in the last 20 years. It's not like I wanted it in her pants or anything. Although, had I been single and memory served me correctly, it would have been well worth my time. I just wanted to know what she'd been doing for the last 20 years. I just wanted to apologize to her. Then again, maybe it was those cold carved stone eyes that gave me the willies every time I came into the courthouse. Maybe they knew more about me than I cared to admit to myself. The prosecutor's office was at the top of a white marble staircase that greeted the just and unjust alike as they came into the courthouse. I managed to take the stairs two at a time, bounding through the door. Alicia was waiting on me, sitting on the rail that kept the public away from her staff, who worked in the black and white of the Ohio Revised Code, amid the shades of blue, green, yellow, and purple from the large stained glass window that spanned the office wall. She had the case file in her hand. Hello, Fitz. It's about time you showed up. Come back to my office and I'll tell you what's going on. She closed her office door behind her and took off her glasses, looking me up and down with a leering smile before she slid behind her desk. I hope Gracie knows how lucky she is, she said. She does. At least I hope she does, I said, slipping into the chair in front of her desk. Tell me what you got. We had a city utility worker file for disability a while back claiming his back was irreparably damaged from lifting manhole covers. This was after several years of employment. So the Bureau of Workers' Compensation rubber stamps him and gives him a pension, and off he goes into the sunset. Alicia paused and put her glasses back on to read the case file. So, a couple of days ago, I get a call from his ex-girlfriend saying that she spotted him working at a farm outside of town. I need you to verify this. Get me some video. We want to file fraud charges, like I told you on the phone yesterday. 
Unfortunately, he knows who all of our investigators are, so we need somebody he doesn't recognize. That's why I thought of you. I was driving out in the county yesterday afternoon. I saw these two meatheads working in the hayfield. I wonder if one of them could be our boy, I asked. I didn't get a good look at either one of them, but you never know. Alicia pushed a BMV photo across the desk. This is who you're looking for. Mr. Disability, also known as Tate Sulcum, had one of those bland, familiar faces that made you wonder if you've ever seen him before. Thin cheekbones, prominent nose, long neck, and hair down to his shoulders. But it was those bodybuilder shoulders that stood out. He doesn't look like someone who'd have trouble lifting anything short of a Mack truck, I said. Oh, he puts on a good show, walking first with a cane, then a walker, according to the city law director, Alicia said. His lawyer is one of those damn disability specialists. The man actually said in court that each step was a painful reminder of how this vibrant 35-year-old man's life had been ruined. Alicia rolled her eyes. Or at least that's what he wanted you to think, I said. Like most jerk-offs trying to work the system, he screwed up. And where would my business be without a pissed-off woman, in this case, his ex-girlfriend, to set things straight? And if someone's fast enough, the ex-girlfriend said that he'd be bailing hay through Friday. That's why I wanted you there yesterday, Fitz. According to her, he wouldn't just be driving the tractor, mind you. He'd be catching 50-pound blocks of green whatever as it comes out of the bailing machine and stacking them onto a big hay wagon. We'll pay your standard rates. I don't know shit about farming except that it's a lot of hard work. Nothing a man with a bad back should be doing, I said. I'm on it. I need one thing from you, though. You know you can ask me anything fits, even if it didn't have a thing to do with work, her cornflower blue eyes said. When you hear anything about Father O'Malley's death, would you give me a call? Why would you want to know? She folded her arms on the desktop and arched an eyebrow. My mother and my secretary both attended St. Rita's. Hell, my whole family does. They were crushed when they heard the news. I've had phone calls all day long about this man's death. I'll tell you the same thing I told them. I can't comment on an open police investigation, she said. But if it's murder, it'll be all over the papers. Frankly, if it's of natural causes, I'll get even more phone calls because everyone will think we've been covering something up. I laughed. Don't I know it. That's how small towns work, counselor. That's especially how Fawcettville works. I ought to know. My affair with Fiona was front page news at one point. No, honey, of course he takes you seriously. He told me himself. That's Fiona's voice, stopping me short as I started to open the office door. I held it slightly ajar to listen to the conversation. Were they talking about me? Are you sure? Mary Margaret asked. Of course, you just need to spice up your wardrobe a little bit, though. A girl needs to look professional, especially in her first job out of college. Like how? You've got a cute figure under all that, that, Fiona's voice trailed off. Even she couldn't find anything nice to say. Here, stand up. See, you're tiny and slim. You've got great legs. I don't know. I don't have any boobs, and my face looks like a pizza. Mary Margaret, there's all kinds of tricks we can do to fix that. Do you think I look this good naked? Fiona laughed. The first I'd heard since she waltzed back into my office. Yes. Yes, you do, if my memory serves me correctly. Gracie's whispered words from last night as she kissed me on the couch ricocheted like a bullet through my mind. As long as you're not doing this with anyone else, I think you'll be fine.
What had I said to her before we slipped upstairs to our bedroom? Never. And where were my thoughts headed just hours after her plane left the ground? Deep down inside, I'm still a pig. A semi-socialized pig, but a pig nonetheless. Hello, ladies. I burst through the door. I'm back. I hope I'm not interrupting anything. Mary Margaret sat down sharply and smoothed her skirt, blushing to the roots of her mousy hair. Fiona was standing behind her desk, and a woman's clothing website was up on the computer. Hello, Fitz. Fiona stood and extended her soft but strong hand for me to shake. I've got a room at the hotel down the street. I've checked in with my boss, and I'm ready to get to work. What's the next step? I promised St. Giles yesterday we'd be back to talk to Mary Margaret's grandmother very soon. I think we need to confer back here in my office to see how we should proceed. You want me to come too, Mr. Fitzhugh? Mary Margaret perked up. I need to talk with your boss first, Fiona said. We'll call you when we need you. Mary Margaret's shoulders sagged. Don't worry, you'll still be a big part of getting your grandmother back, I said. I promise you that. Just give us a few minutes. I closed my office door behind us. Mary Margaret told me all about what's going on with St. Giles and her grandmother, Fiona said, after we were sure she wasn't glaring at us through the glass. Here's my concern, Fitz. It's entirely possible that Eileen O'Connor is being held captive there. She may not realize it due to her dementia, but that doesn't mean it isn't real. If Kovach, that's the name I'm used to calling St. Giles, is at all suspicious that we're going to grab her, he'll be armed and won't think twice about shooting us. What do you suggest? I think we need to talk to Eileen O'Connor first. We need to see what she wants to do and what shape she's in mentally. This may end up taking more than a few visits before we figure out how to do this. I thought it might. I hope you're getting paid well then. This could take a while. I smirked. Yeah, I'm raking it in on this case. Anything else? If not, I'll holler for Mary Margaret. One thing. Will you have dinner with me? Please consider a small monthly donation to help us fund the cost of producing this podcast. Make no mistake, we do this podcast as a labor of love, but your support would be greatly appreciated. We've devised three levels of sponsorship, support, and rewards. Take a look at patron.podbean.com slash fracktowngumshoe. And thank you again for your support. This episode is narrated by Casey Martin. Fracktown Gumshoe is based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill.